This is the Better Pastor Podcast, where we focus on the skills you need to pastor better. Seminary didn't prepare us for everything, so let's keep learning and growing together. Today I am joined by Lee Whitworth. Lee is a native Utahn out here in the Beehive State, and I was his associate pastor here at my current church for about three and a half years. He pastored here for 27 years. And today we discuss how to effectively use illustrations in our teaching. Okay, Lee, what does it mean to use a good illustration and why is that important in ministry? Look at the definition of the word illustration. It means to draw a picture, to illustrate, right? And so when we illustrate, we're drawing a picture. And we're drawing a picture either with words or with objects or perhaps even with, uh, if you have a marker board in front of you, with a dry erase marker. So you're illustrating, you're drawing a picture. And you want those pictures to be something that the people hold on to. One of my daughters recently asked me, we were talking about our superpowers. What do you do well? What are some things that you do well? And I thought about that for a while and I said, well, one of my superpowers is I leave sticky notes in people's brains so that years later, somebody will walk up and say, you know, you said this and I still remember it. And uh, it, so how, what was that? It was just an illustration. It was something I said, probably a word picture or something I held up that just stuck in their brain. And uh, there's the reward when somebody comes up and, and says, I remember this from something you said. So an illustration is creating a picture so that people remember it. And so a good illustration is one that sticks, but also is something that elaborates on the text. And you never want an illustration to be something that is off the text so that uh, the people walk away remembering your illustration, but they have no idea remembering what the uh, subject was or what the passage was. It always has to be the servant of the text. Well, I can vouch as someone who is still around now, uh, almost six years after you left, that your sticky notes are still all over the place. Uh, People will say, yeah, I remember Lee said, used to say this, you know, and off they'll go quoting you. And I also know you mentioned marker boards, that you're a fan of the marker board. Oh, man, give me a dry erase marker and an open Bible and I'm, I'm, I'm gone for hours. Well, what does scripture tell us about good illustrations? As we go to the Bible, what do we learn about having good illustrations as teachers? The illustrations in scripture are super important and in the context of their day were more important than we understand. And that is that the, the culture that, that the biblical characters walked and talked in was largely a, a, uh, an auditory oral culture where things were not written down, they were told as stories and as accounts 
And so those illustrations and the things that were said had to uh, have additional stick to them so that people could remember. And as you, as you look in Scripture, both Old and New Testament, you will see illustrations throughout that are super powerful. I'll give you an example. Uh, Nathan the prophet walks up to King David and he says, So, there was a rich guy who had a ton of stuff, and there was a poor guy who had one lamb. And the rich guy came over and stole the lamb from the poor guy and killed it and served it to his guests. Well, that was a super powerful illustration, so much so that David jumped and said, well, that man should, that, should, that man should be punished, terribly punished. And then Nathan famously said, you are the man. Well, he used an illustration, didn't he? He told a story of a fact that, will, that made David reflex in a moral way, and then he could drive home the point of David having taken his neighbor's wife. And that's what illustrations do. And uh, you look at the illustrations of, D of Jesus, and they did the same thing. There was a man who threw seed out of a bag and it landed on four different kinds of land, four different kinds of soil. Well, we, rem we remember that. It sticks. And so what is an illustration? It is a word picture that has a tremendous amount of sticking power. Now, a lot of guys listening to this may struggle with illustrations. I know young pastors in particular struggle to incorporate illustrations because you lack the life experience and you can't draw on your first person stories uh, for illustrations and sermons and things like that. But what are some factors that the person listening to this who is a regular teacher of the Word of God, what are some factors that he can consider as he begins to approach this idea of incorporating more illustrations in his teaching? Well, this has to do with my uh, a campaign I'm always on. And every time I talk to a young man, I say the same thing. That it, at your age, as a young man, uh, for a young uh, Bible school student or a seminary student, the first priority you should make in life is to become an expert in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scripture. Go there first. Paul talked to Timothy, and he says, From a child you have known the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise to salvation in Christ. Well, that was the Old Testament. Paul was referring to the Hebrew Scripture when he said that. And by getting into the Old Testament, you're going to find an almost unexhaustible reservoir of illustrative material because you have guys and women who are living life and they become illustrations. You have messages from the prophets and, and things that they wrote down and said that becomes illustrative. And then you have the wisdom literature that is just chock full of illustrations that become very pertinent to whatever you're preaching. And uh, you, so you can find just a, just a library of illustrative material, and you, you may never need to actually get out of the Old Testament to find other, other illustration books. Um, I, I personally have never owned an illustration book and have never referred to one, simply because 
I just have enough material and I don't need to go to those. What about the temptation to focus so much on illustrations that the rest of the sermon lacks? I mean, the pastor, the young pastor perhaps is thinking about this. What kind of balance should he strike between giving good illustrations and just being focused on expositing the, the word, exegeting the word? Well, well, now you've hit on a pet peeve of mine because radio pastors are the worst violators. They have approximately 24 minutes of radio time for a message and uh, more than 50, sometimes more than 75% of that 24 minutes is an illustration or stories and no analysis of the text. And uh, that, so I think that's the greater violation. And I think that any preacher needs to uh, keep his illustrative material within a certain proportion of his actual talk time. Uh, if you're going to talk for an hour, you should, you should not be uh, probably less than 15 per, uh, minutes of that time ought to be illustrations. The challenge, too, that I think a lot of teachers have is finding out what people connect to the most and not using an illustration that's just so niche that nobody even gets the point, right? Uh, if someone, if there's a preacher out there who's into astrophysicism uh, and is using illustrations from outer space, the vast majority of people aren't going to connect with that. So how can a teacher find effective illustrations and discover what is most appropriate when it comes to giving illustrations? Obviously, you have to know your audience, don't you? So if you're in a part of the country, uh, let's say, for instance, you're in mid-America and it doesn't have uh, a whole bunch of linguistic uh, clues and cultural markings, that somebody on the coastline would would be able to refer to then then you don't want to use them there are stores where people may never go or products or kinds of cultural things that that people in different areas just don't do uh so you know if you're if you're in mid-america and you're in farm country then uh you're going to use farm illustrations and they're not going to be interested in something that people on the West Coast are, are interested in. And, and if you're in Kansas City, it probably wouldn't benefit you to use an illustration of the Denver Broncos or the Los Angeles or Las Vegas Raiders because uh, there's, there's a deep hatred there and you're only going to distract your people with something that they hate. And so you have to know your audience. Jesus knew his audience. His audience was almost entirely rural, agricultural, or having something to do with the Lake of Galilee. And so he stayed on those subjects so that uh, those were things that they could readily understand. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, what can you share from your own experience as a Bible teacher in developing good illustrations through the years? You you became a pastor at what age? Uh, 28. So from... 28 on, how did you develop this area of your teaching ministry? Uh, you know, a lot of it is just due to the fact that I'm a very simple person. I don't have very many brain cells, and so I would talk on a level that I could understand. And um, so it was always simple. And 
so they always became simple. And I'm also a visual learner where if I can see it and touch it, I learn it much better. And uh, I'm very weak auditory learner so that somebody can tell me something and 10 seconds later, I've already forgotten it. Um, so by if I'm a person who understands things by touch and by seeing it and, and getting into an actual experience with it, then I learn better. And, it, and so through the years, I uh, used tangible things, object lessons, things that I could actually walk in with. Um, like uh, I recently taught at camp. I built an actual Ark of the Covenant half size and uh, took it up there and I flicked the blood on the Ark. And those kids, six months later, they came up to me and said, I still remember you doing that. Uh, uh, during the, the Feast of Tabernacles, I built an actual tabernacle and set it up over the pulpit uh, with a canvas and a frame for a couple of months because we were walking up on the, the Feast of Tabernacles. And so whatever was going on or whatever I was preaching, I tried to use uh, items that I could actually show in front of the people. Like Ezekiel had the two sticks that he wrote on in chapter 37. Well, actually, uh, it was it was uh, one of the ladies in the church. Uh, she wrote on two sticks and gave it to me, uh, one with Israel and one with Judah, so I could hold it up in front of the people. And it, and it totally helps people to lock in on your story. I thought that was supposed to say the Bible and the Book of Mormon. Oh, uh, yeah. That's that's the the uh, other hermeneutic. <laughs> well, we touched on this already briefly, but thinking about the difference between younger preachers and older preachers, younger preachers often just stereotyping, you know, here tend to struggle with illustrations. Older people tend to struggle on the other end where they're storytelling and just like you said, giving illustrations too much. So can you speak to both groups and kind of get into the how-tos here? How can each group get more balanced in this? Yeah, I, th I think older guys uh, could make the mistake of uh, telling too many stories and uh, telling stories of, of a time context in the past that uh, is not relevant. And, and it's probably the fourth or fifth time they've told the story too. Oh man, don't, yeah, don't repeat the story. If you've said it once, you've got to discipline yourself and say, you know what, I can't ever use that again. And you also, uh, John MacArthur said this uh, to his, uh, in his homiletics class uh, that I stuck with me. He said, don't make yourself the hero of your story. If you tell an illustration about yourself, uh, it should not have the function of trying to elevate yourself in front of your listeners. Um, you, you can, uh, easily talk about the days that you failed, you know, sometime that you were clumsy or said something horrible and, and, uh, you regret it, but you have to be really careful about, uh, bragging or humble bragging in front of people. Um, and younger guys can use, uh, just stay in scripture, uh, if you wander out and you're trying to illustrate it, your your illustration. Anytime you do that, you uh, you're, you're flirting with the desert, the the, uh, the danger of going off topic and and distracting people from the text, or of taking up too much time. 
So you're saying the text itself provides illustrations within, just as you're going verse by verse through it, you'll encounter illustrations naturally? Oh, tons. I mean, you take, for instance, any narrative. Take, take any narrative in Scripture. Let's, let's take uh, John 2, where Mary says to Jesus, they've run out of wine. Well, there's enough material in that uh, little conversation that you could go, you could go 30, 45 minutes and uh, never get off of the very conversation itself. Uh, by just simply saying, well, contextually, it doesn't sound like that ba- bad of a thing, but uh, for that family to run out of wine was uh, such a, a cultural disaster that they would be known perhaps for a couple of generations as losers in the community where they would be the punchline to a joke and their reputation in the community could be that they, are, uh, they were people who failed at something so important. So when Mary comes up and she says to Jesus, they've run out of wine, her concern is more than one of convenience. This is, a, this is an entire clan because uh, you have families, clans, and tribes in structures, and those people were at risk of ruining even business deals because uh, if they tried to do business in the community from then on, uh, those that they were trying to do business with could say, uh, how can I trust you? You didn't even uh, take care of your own wedding. And uh, so it was, it was a great risk, and her, the concern in her was, was real. And then you could go to Jesus' response, which was a little bit of a stiff arm to his own mother, saying, yeah, you need to stay a little bit back, Mom. I'm, I'm now uh, 30 years old, and now my business is not your business. And so uh, you could analyze a situation and illustrate and go on and on, and you haven't even left the text, especially in times when you're analyzing a narrative. Now, for the last five plus years, you have gone from being the uh, regular Sunday morning preacher to having uh, listened to a lot of Sunday morning sermons. Uh, You hadn't done that for decades, and now you're more of a listener on Sunday mornings than you are a preacher. I know you teach Sunday school uh, frequently, but the sermons, you're doing a lot of listening. So as someone who's in the pew now, how do illustrations play into your experience of the Sunday morning sermon? Well, it's, it's taught me from the seat, from the pew, if, if it were, but we have chairs, um, what life is like as a listener and uh, what, how people listen and how I tune in. And I'm tuning in particularly for stuff that I can write in the margins of my Bible. I'm looking for stuff that are nuggets that uh, they, when, it, when they are said and, and a real nugget shows up, I'm going, oh man. And I write that down uh, somewhere where I'm going to see it again. I'll, and I may even draw a picture of it. I have a lot of pictures in the margins of my Bible. So... I, I listen for that. That's that's how I listen. And, and I will tell you, I will confess that I am a, a not a good listener. <laughs> <laughs> Confession time with Lee Whitworth. 
How, well, do you look for the traditional, uh, what, what is it, like three points in a poem? You know, you get your introduction and your conclusion, and then between three points in a poem, that's what we're taught in homiletics class. Or is that just irrelevant to you as a listener? Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't listen really for the form or the outline. I find those to be perhaps a manipulation of the text. And I, uh, I've, I've never regarded well the three points in a poem uh, method of scripture study or of uh, preaching because uh, you're, you're probably contriving it and it, the text usually doesn't break down that way. They did not speak in three points in a poem. Uh, that's not how scripture is written. And we should allow scripture to create the divisions and the ideas as it is written. And it's, you know, what's a, it's a lot less work that way. If you're thinking that you have to alliterate and, and there was an intern here in, in this church, um, about, uh, about 20 years ago and he alliterated a message which is about the only time that happened in the last 30 years. And I caught him later. I said, did you just alliterate a message? And uh, I was having fun with him, but also scolding him at the same time, hoping he would never do it again. Because alliteration is a manipulation of the text and takes you away from the point. And uh, scripture should be left as native to in its form as possible. Well, as we wrap up here, what are some habits that pastors can form when it comes to inserting appropriate illustrations in their teaching along the way? And what have you found to work just as a regular part of your ministry rhythm? Yeah, just keep them short. Uh, make sure that you minimize how much time they take. And if you, if you're, I, I don't remember if I've ever, and, and I realize I'm sort of anomalous, but I, I don't remember ever telling a long story uh, as an illustration unless it was out of scripture. Uh, I just never ventured out. And so keep them short. Um, try not to tell stories about yourself uh, very much at all, if you can help it. And, uh, make sure always that the illustration is the, is the servant of the text and you want the, if, if you're putting sticky notes in people's minds, uh, make them sticky notes that, that are helpful for them to remember the message of the, of the passage. Very good. Well, Lee Whitworth, thank you for joining me today. 